Welcome to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Join us over the next 60 minutes as we recap last week's matchups, preview the upcoming games, make predictions, and much more. Here's your host. Welcome inside Conference USA. Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, Ben Cower here on the program. Week one is in the books, and week two is upon us. It was an exciting week one in Conference USA football. Justin and I will break it down for you and then preview and make picks in week two as we continue to work through the non-conference portion early on here in the college football season. We'll start with the game that was played a week ago from today, the UAB versus Jacksonville State matchup. The Blazers, Justin, looked dominant, winning that game 31 to nothing. Yeah, they looked dominant. They had a very had a very slow start in the first quarter. They you know they they were zero zero in the first quarter. But once I think UAB's offense got into the rhythm, Tyler Johnson good game, seventeen for 21, 320 yards. I think once they got in the rhythm in the second quarter, I think UAB kind of really established themselves as they're going to be one of the dominant teams in the West Division. Though they played a a, a weaker opponent in Jacksonville State, I think anytime you can have like a dominating win like that, I think you put a lot of opposing teams on notice. Absolutely, defensively really good too. Only holds. Uh, Jacksonville State to 154 yards, 88 passing, and 66 rushing. So that was well done on the defensive end. Obviously, the big spot to look at um, player-wise was how you replace Spencer Brown. And obviously, that's not really a question mark for this UAB team because you had Jermaine Brown Jr. and Deuce McBride, or not Deuce McBride, Dwayne McBride. Deuce McBride's in the NBA uh, playing for the, or playing for the Knicks, but. Uh, Dwayne McBride for UAB, both those guys run for over 50 yards and what was 12 and 14 carries for both of them, and then a couple other guys ran the football well as well. But um, Johnston, for the third, though, we weren't really certain who was going to get the start at quarterback because they have three guys, that being the Blazers, Johnston, the third, Hopkins, and Lucero, that all have experience playing quarterback, but Johnston, the third, looked really good in throwing for 320 and two scores. Yeah, I think anytime you have a you know I think anytime you have a great quarterback play, you know that that's the foundation for any team in college football and football in general. It begins with the quarterback. So Johnson having a great great game. That's a very good sign of success for Bill Clark in that in that offense. And talk about the running attack. I mean, you know, fourteen to twelve, fourteen for Brown, twelve for McBride. I mean, that's it's kind of ideal because you know Johnson did majority of the work, but it was they were really able to well distribute the offensive attack. And one quick note to make before, make before we move on. Trey Shopshire leads the receivers 128 yards, five catches, and a touchdown. So he, he is a guy that had a really good Conference USA championship game here in Huntington and seems to be maybe taking over that number one spot. One final note, too, Dwayne McBride fumbled twice in this football game, so it could be uh, something that we follow throughout the year. Yep, we'll go to the, the first of the Thursday night games, the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers welcome the UT Martin Skyhawks into Bowling Green and uh, Western Kentucky and Bailey Zapp. Dominant performance, seven touchdowns on the night against uh, against uh, UT Martin for a final score of 59 to 21. Andrew, your thoughts on this on the on the Hilltoppers and their opening night? I watched most of the first quarter and then into the second quarter, and this was a game that at first you're like, "Whoa, well, you know what's going on?" Because UT Martin marches down the field. In four minutes, 75 yards, goes up 7 nothing. You're like, oh, okay, UT Martin's going to give Western Kentucky a run because then two plays later on offense, Bailey Zapp throws a pick, and you're like, oh, okay, what's what's going on here? This is not the offense we're looking at. Um, UT Martin goes three and out. Western Kentucky gets a first down, and that's it. 
and you're just starting to question things. Okay, is this just early season uh, struggles, just trying to get it used to things? But then Western settled in, and as you mentioned, Zap uh, was phenomenal. Seven touchdowns, the one pick, he responded well from that early interception. And how about the completion percentage, too? 28 of 35 for 424 and seven touchdowns. He didn't win player of the week in Conference USA, which is surprising, but he didn't uh, despite having a really good week. The only concern I have offensively was the ground game. They, they do run for 109 yards due to the Hilltoppers, but not really one guy stood out. Cofield, 40 yards. Rubichok's 44 yards as well, and Zap had two runs for 24. So if they can get consistent play from the running backs, in particular Cofield probably, this is a dynamic offense, but if they can throw the football as it was able to do against UT Martin, it's going to be a dynamic offense. And we knew that coming in. The new offensive coordinator, Zach Curley, comes over from Houston Baptist, bringing over several receivers and obviously zapped the quarterback, and it showed in here in week one. Yeah, you brought up the, what the concern I was going to have is the rushing attack, uh, the, the 109 yards. That's not good enough. This is a conference that's built heavily on the ground game. I mean, is 109 good to, to, to defeat? UT Martin, yes. I mean, UT Martin, you kind of just have to, you know, have a good game, not really make many mistakes, and you're going to win the ball game. But, you know, as the rest of their non-conference is tough. They have Army this week. Then you play Indiana, which is a top-10 team, and then you play Michigan State in the Big Ten. So, well, Cowboys uh, reacting to Indiana. But Indiana, top-10 team last year, Michigan State in the Big Ten. So they're going to have to really get the ground game, not only for non-conference play, but this is, but this is a conference that's very heavy on – on, on the rushing deck. So the one the one hundred nine yards, the Hilltopper fans are happy. I'm concerned. That that that, that just is not good enough to, to win. A name to keep a, an ear out for throughout the conference USA season for this Western Kentucky game offensively, Jareth Stearns, the wide receiver, had a really good game, seven catches, one hundred seven yards and two touchdowns, played three really good seasons with Zap at Houston Baptist. He comes over, has two years of eligibility. He had looked really good. Um, in the opener there defensively obviously Western Kentucky has a decent bit back this year they do give up nearly 400 yards of offense but when you go up big like that you expect a team in UT Martin to try to continue to battle and move the football in did give up 200 yards on the ground on about six yards per rush but overall um, pretty dominant performance and a good response because sometimes when you go down early like that those college football games turn into okay we got to grind it out how can we win this football game but Western Kentucky despite the slow start really took control of this football game and really left no doubt who was going to win the game yeah that's key I mean you know I think they had they, they got tested early but they were able to bounce back and that's key as they get later into the season all right we'll move on to the next game that was played on Thursday evening it was Florida International over Long Island University 48 to 10 Zimmer your thoughts on this game obviously Devonte Price one of the best running backs to come back into Conference USA this season. He only touched the ball five times, 165 yards and three touchdowns in those five carries. Yeah, brilliant game by Devontae Price. Brilliant game by, by Bordenschlager, the Maryland transfer. This, I think, was a complete game for the FIU Panthers. They're not, for a team that's not projected to have much success this season, this is huge. This is, a, I think, a big bolt, bolt of confidence for Butch Davis's team being like, if we just if we play sent fundamental football and just continue what we did of like be heavy on the ground heavy on heavy with the rock that they're going to win ball games. So I think this win more for FIU is kind of like like 
we can compete with the big boys. We just gotta we just gotta play fundamental fundamental ball, and then the quarterback play. Uh, Schlumberger, fourteen to seventeen. That very very good start to the season, but again, I think the the rushing attack that really gave FIU the win. Yeah, FIU pretty much was just overmatched. I mean, they were just flat out better than Long Island in this football game, and it should because they're both the best player touched the ball five times, and that's all I needed to do because FIU went up 21 to nothing in that first quarter. Um, and we talk about the ground game being such an integral part of a lot of Conference USA football teams, but you got to have the ability to pass. And I think FIU showed it a little bit in this football game, and Bordenschlager seemed to ha- find a connection with Bryce Singleton, uh, a guy that is back for his fourth year with FIU, and he catches six passes for 150 yards and a touchdown. Um, and he, he slowly been okay for FIU over the course of his time there but his best years in 2018 he had 29 catches so you hope that maybe he can emerge because he's been in that program for several years now that he can build a connection and maybe be that go-to guy for FIU because again offensively they were bad last year the quarterback play was not good but if Bordenschlager now in his second year um, is able to complement Price's running ability FIU is a dangerous team in the east. Yep, let's go to the Friday night upset in Charlotte as the Charlotte 49ers hosting a Power 5 team for the first time in Jerry Richardson Stadium. They play spoiler to the start of the Blue Devils season by defeating the Blue Devils 31-28. to Andrew, you and I were watching this game together, so what are your thoughts? It was a really fun game to watch back and forth, yep. a good atmosphere, good to see a lot of fans back in the stands and... Uh, you mentioned it, it, Charlotte, first win over a Power 5 opponent. That's big. It doesn't matter if you're playing Duke, Kansas, for that matter, in football because we know how bad Kansas is in football. But a Power 5 win is a Power 5 win. And Charlotte played really well in this football game. And Chris Reynolds won Conference USA Player of the Week because he was the best player on the field that night against in the, in the big win for Charlotte, 19 of 30 through the air, 324 passing yards and three touchdowns. He did it on the ground as well, 37 rushing yards and a touchdown. They didn't really get anything um, from one key running back. Calvin Camp ran the ball for 42 yards, and Shadrick Bird ran it for 30 yards. They didn't get much um, outside of Reynolds' production, but he's still got those guys on the outside. Grant DeBose had a really good game, two big touchdown catches. Victor Tucker, we know what he's all about, 130 yards on eight catches. So this is a really good win for Charlotte, and I think what Ben Cower and I picked this as a Charlotte victory. Justin, you didn't have confidence in uh, Charlotte to win this football game, but I like. I mean, Chris Reynolds, he's been there such a long time, and this is a team that is got a lot of motivation. Especially what happened last year, not playing a lot of games, and um, they really showed out in this opener at home. This is a big win because if you lose a tight game like this. It doesn't mean a whole lot because it's non-conference, but because it's a non-conference win against a Power 5 team and you narrowly hang on, this is huge for Charlotte's confidence going through the rest of the year now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, for, you know, for Charlotte, I think this is a very big win. You know, they, they have another big Power 5 tilt, except this time it's on the road at Illinois and on October the 2nd. So if you're, if, if you're the uh, 49ers, when you get to that week against the Fighting Illini, you're, you're at least going to know, okay, we beat a Power 5 team. We can go into Illinois and kind of and play spoiler in Champaign. But I thought the rushing attack was great. I think, you know, you look at the diversity in the running, you know, that, that, that I think is great for the opposition defense. It kind of forces the defense's hands, and I think Charlotte did a great job with that with Camp, Reynolds, and Bird, and McGurum getting 9 and 10 rushes each. 
when you have when you have multiple running backs, you can change the predictability, and, and so the team just can't sit there and be like predict like which back every time. But Duke, I think you know, I think Duke just got outmatched in this game. So only concern I have for the 49ers in, in this Week One result, obviously they win the football game, but Mateo Durant for Duke, two fifty-five and three touchdowns as a team. Duke ran for three hundred and fifty-two yards and three touchdowns. For about an average of, well, do the math, 45 carries, Zimmer and 352 yards. That's about eight yards a carry. Yeah, well, I look at the opponent and who they played. I'm not, you know, the, the, if if this was a level team that Charlotte's at, that's a concerning number. But since Duke's a much better school than Charlotte with regard to, like, the athletic talent, I don't find that number is exactly concerning because they've not played a team on their level yet. So when they play a team on their level, that's when I'll we'll see, yeah we'll see have to see. well Charlotte see handled them though. So Charlotte's on a higher level than Duke on that case. Well, just in this one game, but like when it comes to the numbers, I think it's kind of unfair to be like okay, Power Five team, you kind of expect at least the numbers to be a lot higher than when they play a team at their uh, yeah uh, certainly Charlotte's a number level. that we'll have to keep an eye on throughout the years how does charlotte defend the run are they able to yep. enough because um, the passing attack they held holmberg uh in in check for the most part old dominion wake forest was the other friday night game a lopsided victory although it was kind of i think we watched part of it and you know, kind of like this yeah. has gotten we watched it early it was 42 10 in favor of wake forest but the first quarter was fairly back and forth you could say with how the game was going on because um, in that first quarter, Wake Forest gets a early touchdown, a four, big 48-yard run, goes up 7 nothing. Old Dominion responds with a field goal with 28 seconds left at the end of the first, uh, toward the end of the first quarter, 38-yard field goal from Nick Rice. And I turned the channel and I told Justin, I said, 7-3 going into the second quarter, that's fine. Yeah, that's and, you know, you're on your road, 7-3. But then just Sir Taylor, 99 yards to the house, by the time we turn it back to the game, it's 14-3. You're like, whoa, what happened? And a couple of touchdowns in, in the second quarter for Wake Forest is 28-3. But I, I kind of jinxed Old Dominion. I was like, 7-3, okay, you'll take that at the end of one quarter. Offensively, you looked bad. But they give up the kick return, and that was really the game changer of the, the game, right? I mean, that was the difference because Wake Forest goes on to score 28 more unanswered and the ball game's over. Yeah, I agree with you. That was the difference. Uh, and I think if you're Old Dominion, that's like your only positive of the night being like, we held with Wake Forest for like a quarter, and then we then I think Wake Forest kind of, once Wake Forest was able to quickly like establish the scoring offense, uh, Old Dominion couldn't hang on. But here's the big concern for me. DJ Mack Jr., 7 of 21. That's unacceptable. I don't care what level of football you're at. Pee-wee football, high school football, college, NFL. That's unacceptable. So if you're Ricky Rain right now, I, I think you keep Wolf as the starter because Wolf did a much better job than DJ Mack Jr. The, the 7 for 21 is embarrassing. He, it, it's just an embarrassing performance. Yeah, those are the two Old Dominion quarterbacks. Mack Jr. got the start through a couple of INTs, only threw for 39 yards. You mentioned Hayden Wolf, though, really good. Honestly, at a, at a, at a if you're right, he bench. should be starting this yeah. week. 11 of 17, 88 yards, and, and led the only touchdown drive of the ball game. Bright side for the Monarchs, they ran the football fairly well. Elijah Davis, the sophomore, 12 carries, 69 yards, and Blake Watson runs it 55 yards on 15 carries. So had a little bit of production from guys out of the backfield. That's a positive, but kind of similar to what we mentioned so much about 
FIU and last year coming into this year, quarterback play. If Old Dominion can get quarterback play, and maybe Wolf's the guy, maybe Mac Jr. will recover from this. This was his first game yeah. with the Monarchs, and but I, that's going to be the key. And I think part of it, they hadn't played a game in about two years. This is like their first real competitive game. And so, Andrew, I was talking to you, we were driving up Friday. Friday, we were talk- I said, well, I'm going to see Old Dominion's jitters. They didn't have as many penalties as I as I think I thought I was gonna have I thought they were gonna have, but the quarterback play was more concerning than the penalties because if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going anywhere. You might as well just stay in neutral the whole season. Yeah, we'll take our first break here. We've got a boatload of Saturday games that were played in Week One to recap and talk about. So we'll take a quick break and we'll recap those Saturday matchups in Conference USA here on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. You feel like you've known your man forever. You know his full name, his nickname, his pet names. You know his birthday. He likes old school rap more than R&B and anything his mama cooks. Yeah, you feel like you've known your man forever. But that doesn't mean you know everything about him. Of all the women living with HIV in the U.S., about 66% are African American. And most of these women got HIV by having unprotected sex with a man. The good news is more and more women are stepping up and getting tested for HIV. Women just like you who know they have to look out for themselves. Get an HIV test. Whatever the result, there are treatment and support programs available in your community. To find out where you can get a free HIV test, visit HIVtest.org slash take charge or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. That's 1-800-232-4636. If you've had unprotected sex, get tested for HIV. Take charge. Take the test. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hi, this is Terrence Howard. My mother was the cornerstone of our family. She shaped me as an actor, a musician, as a human being. So when she was diagnosed with colon cancer, it was like our whole family got cancer. And she died when she was only 56, so this is personal. Now hopefully my heartbreak is your wake-up call. Colorectal cancer is the second leading cancer killer, but you can prevent this disease. Screening finds precancerous polyps so that they can be removed before they turn into cancer. I've been screened. If you think that you're at an increased risk like I am, ask your doctor when to start screening. And if you're 50 or older, get screened. I don't have my mother anymore. So please, do everything that you can to stay around for yourself and for your family. Screening saves lives. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hi, this is Marshall men's basketball coach Dan D'Antoni, and you're listening to the worldwide leader in Marshall athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Welcome back inside Conference USA. Andrew Rogers and Justin Zimmer here on the program. Ben Cowards behind the glass, keeping us on there and online. Justin, the Zimmer Bowl was played. Marshall and Navy, we call it the Zimmer Bowl because Zimmer's from Bethesda, Maryland. And what, you grew up? following the midshipmen the terrapins yep, both teams, yeah. you're a student at marshall i meant to mention it on the year that <laughs> welcome back to the zimmer bowl i would have had to explain it yep. but i forgot about that um but it, the zimmer bowl was played on saturday and marshall handled the, the zimmer bowl 49-7 yeah I, I think marshall's offense was a very dominant you know in this game i and i think you think? Yeah, no. Anybody I, can tell me that. I, I mean, I owe an apology to Coach Huff. I really do. Because I, I didn't think they were going to blow Navy out of the water. I thought this was going to be like a 2017 game, like a, a gridiron fight. 
But, uh, you know, they played dominant in this ball game, really dominant. And, you know, I think – I mean, there's not much for Navy to, to talk about, but I think, you know, Marshall rushing out lead, I think, had a great game, good, good success replacing Evans, though. But I think here's the thing I found interesting, and this is what we learned in, the, in yesterday's media availability. They changed their defensive scheme for, for Navy. So this is so this week against NC Central, this kind of goes into the previous segment. I'll talk about it now. This is the first time we're really going to see the actual defensive scheme, so I'm interested to see the adjustments. This is a really good one. I could spend probably 30 minutes talking about Marshall's performance, but I'll try to summarize it fairly well. And, and I didn't give much of – I didn't mention – too much of my thoughts of what was going to happen in the ball game but I what, what I did say to a couple of people was if it's I expect a close game but if one of these two teams were to win by more than 10 points it'll be Marshall and Marshall blew out Navy because and I said that because of Marshall's ability to throw the football and the up-tempo offense and bringing back your starting quarterback in Grant Wells who statistically you look at the numbers 20 of 30 for 333 passing yards is pretty solid. He didn't throw a touchdown, though. But what Marshall's offense did was was we're going to throw it down the football field, and then when we get inside the 15-10 yard line, we're going to run the football. And that's why Rasheen Ali ended up with four scores, and Sheldon Evans had two rushing touchdowns as well. But Wells found a connection with Keaton, who had 100 yards. Corey Gamage career highs in receptions and yards with seven catches and 94 yards. And then you can't forget about this defense because the defense was flying around the football all evening, all afternoon, nine yeah. sacks, and Navy dropped back to pass 16 times. And Marshall had nine sacks and 13 tackles for a loss. The defense was all over the place, two INTs as well. This was a dominant win, and I'm yeah. surprised Marshall did it in this way, but I think um, it was good. But then again, on the flip side, we don't know what Navy is this year. Navy could be – was a team that went 3-7 and seven last year. We don't know what they're going to be like well, this year. But this was a dominant opening win that not a lot of people expected. The other thing I wanted to know is I remember last Wednesday I was talking about time of possession. I'm looking at the final time of possession sets here. Navy, 41 minutes and 19 seconds. Marshall, 1841. That is very dominant if you're Marshall. To me, that's more impressive because Navy out Navy – dominated this game possession wise there's no there's no question you and I were both there we saw it but and the thing about that was Grant Wells said it before the ball game last week we have to make the most of our possessions and they did and, and Marshall didn't need the football very much because they made the most of those possessions they went quick and the defense phenomenal job not getting tired and and talk about the fourth quarter program I yeah as you mentioned on Saturday's broadcast I, I was down there in the interviews right after the game and I asked them go what about conditioning like how did that go and they, and they said and they really said conditioning really played a big factor in this game with the time of possession, offense and defense. I was going to mention something real quick before we moved on, but it slipped my mind. We'll go on if I can remember it. We'll come back to it. Rice, Arkansas. This game was fairly close between the Owls and the Razorbacks. It was 10-7. Rice had halftime. Um, Arkansas scored on a 34-yard touchdown run from K.J. Jefferson. Rice scored 10 points in the second quarter and then st scored the first touchdown of the third quarter. Went up 17-7 but then fell apart, and the uh, Razorbacks scored 31 unanswered from the third quarter on. Yeah, and I think if you're Rice, you have confidence. I mean, th th this wasn't a bad football game. It's just kind of like you lost your composure 
at the end of the game, and, and then that's how Arkansas took it away. So I think if you're Rice, you kind of focus on, on trying to close the gap. But Luke McCaffrey, five of, Luke McCaffrey, five of ten. I mean, 50%, he kind of came in in a mop-up role, so that's not really – I'm not going to really harshly criticize him here, but – but I'm going to look at the look at the rushing, though. The rushing I thought was good. Kalen Griffin, Jordan Myers, very good day on the rushing attack. 39 yards, for 80, 39 carries, for 81 attempts. But right, I think Rice, this is more of a composure thing. They need to focus more on like trying to stay composed throughout the entire game, not trying to get ahead of themselves. I think they did that. I think it was interesting that um, Wiley Green got the start at quarterback for the Yells. He was a guy um, that didn't see a lot of time last year. In fact, his last action, well, last year he went, two of ten and a pick and only played in two games and the year before he threw a lot more and would play a lot more 142 attempts in 2019 so this is his fourth year with the Owls he's a sophomore um, and he draws the start so he beat out Luke McCaffrey who ended up playing in the football game but Wiley Green did struggle a little bit in this game um, 152 yards a touchdown did throw three INTs Bradley Rosner the big wide receiver that was back for the Owls, didn't do much on the outside, just two catches, 30 yards. So that'll be an interesting battle to see throughout the year. Is it going to be Green? Is it going to be McCaffrey? McCaffrey was probably statistically a little bit better in his limited time. Well, they were both but, 50%. But they are both 50%-ish, and uh, Green just had a few more turnovers because he had uh, more time out there on the field under center. So that's going to be a matchup that we have to keep an eye on, who ends up winning that battle and who's better but the statistical numbers, I think Luke McCaffrey eventually will get it because he comes from the Power Five and he's got a lot of experience. But we'll see because Wiley Green's been in that system now. This is being his fourth year, so should be interesting there with the Owls. But a solid effort, obviously disappointing how it ended, but Rice gave Arkansas a run there early. And now we'll head up to the Swamp in Gainesville, the Florida Gators, 35. Uh, they defeat the Owls, 35-14. You look, look at this game, Andrew. I mean, FAU... Kind of didn't really have a great start. Kind of had a very little burst of energy late, getting 14 points in the fourth quarter. But again, that Florida, the 13th ranked Gators, kind of blow them out. Yeah, offensively, it was it was tough for FAU when you look at the numbers. Um, first half for FAU: punt, fumble, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, and the two turnover on downs there um, before halftime came in Florida territory. So they moved the football, did the Owls, for the most part at times, but then listen to these first four or five drives to begin the second half, Justin. Three and out, punt. Three and out, punt. Three and out, punt. Three and out, punt. Four plays, 59 yards, fumble. Then you get the two touchdowns. The final two touchdowns are, 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 are coming late in the ballgame and you finally score. So offensively, you just struggled. You didn't, you didn't move the football, and when you did, you weren't able to capitalize on a third or fourth down, and then when you did that, you turned the football over. Nikosa Perry was solid, the quarterback, 261 and a score. The ground game, not so much, 37 carries, 92 yards. Do the math, two and a half yards per carry. So FAU, again, Florida, top top 25 team, 13th ranked. you got to go to the Swamp at Gainesville and play them, but um, definitely FAU offensively struggled a little bit in this game, but to be expected a little bit uh, just because of going up against FAU defensively held in there for the most part. Yeah, you, you talked about the efficiency. I'm looking at ESPN stat here. Third down efficiency, 5-12, five, five of 12, and then fourth down efficiency, 0-12. Oh, Again, talk about Florida. I think it's kind of unfair to kind of throw FAU into the into the towel after this game because it's not really a fair evaluation of compared team against the top 25 team. So I don't really take too much out of this uh 
the first real data point I'll look at for FAU is when they play Georgia Southern this week. That, to me, is more of a real data point game, at least for me if I'm evaluating them than against Florida when they're, when you, when you, when they're kind of expected to be blown out. Let's go to La Tech, Mississippi State. What oh, a football you're, yeah, game you're this You're bummed was. about this one, aren't you? 35-34. The Bulldogs hold on against the Bulldogs. Bulldogs versus Bulldogs. Bulldogs win. That being Mississippi State. I picked Louisiana Tech, and I got a lot of, hmm, you picked Louisiana Tech. But they did lose, but Louisiana Tech was up 34-14 with 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. 20 points. That's three scores Mississippi State got two touchdown runs from Jaquavius Marks from five yards and one yard out, and then a late touchdown pass from Will Rogers to Jaden Wally. The extra point was good from Brandon Ruiz, and that put the Bulldogs over Louisiana Tech. So this was a really good football game. Austin Kendall played well, and I knew because of his experience at the Power 5 level that um, he was going to come in and make a spark. And I tell you what, this Louisiana Tech team is going to be a team to reckon with in Conference USA in this West Division because this is a good performance against a Mississippi State team that a lot of people have thought highly of in the SEC coming up. Yeah, I think that you know, I think Mississippi State's kind of on the rise, and so yeah, I think if you're Louisiana Tech, there's a, the the one positive is you can hang with the big boys, you can actually hang with the Power Five. But you know, this game, I mean, I think the off, I think we've said a lot about the offense, so I'm going to change my tune. I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball. I think there was a lack of composure on the defensive side. I think when you're in a, when you're in a uh, leading a game against a power five school, it's easy to kind of you know taste the Gatorade, getting ready to get dropped on the head coach. But I think they kind of they kind of got over amped up and they kind and that kind of led to their downfall. So you know if you're Skip Holtz this week in practice, you, I think you now have to start focusing more on the, just like maintaining composure, not over hyping the moment. But their their, their team stats were phenomenal. Four, you know one of one on four down fourth down but one concern though third down efficiency four, four 15 on third downs how about this during the course of this football game mississippi state scored the first 14 la tech answered with 34 consecutive points over the course of the end of the first quarter to the beginning of the fourth quarter and then mississippi state finally scored the final 21 points so louisiana tech did a really good job defensively, forced six Mississippi State turnovers. That's the reason La Tech was in this football game. Solid offense. Kendall played well, but uh, Mississippi State turned the football over a lot. In this one, they hold on to send La Tech to 0-1. Middle Tennessee State, Monmouth, 50-15 to in favor of the Blue Raiders to get off to a 1-0 start. As Justin says, will be the only win of the year Correct. for Middle Tennessee State. But new quarterback Bailey Hockman looked really good, 2-15 and three scores. Very impressed, 17-22. Uh, I think you know, any, anytime you have a good quarterback performance, that kind of helps the team for a very good, good game. And Hockman had a very good game there. But again, as uh, as Andrew just mentioned, I think that's the last of uh, Middle Tennessee in the win column this year. Just I just look at the roster, I look at the schedule. I think they're going to have a very. Now, actually, you know, I'm going to reverse that. I just looked at their schedule, uh, Andrew. I think they have one more win in them, so I'm going to give them two wins now. So I'm gonna go from one to two because they play UConn. UConn's already okay. having UConn's already having coaching. So you're already changing up your prediction. Well, this is before Edsel got out of a job. We knew UConn wasn't very good, though. Yeah, well, it's Randy Randy Edsel. I think he could have in the multiple offense. I think that could have beat him. But uh, UTEP, Middle Tennessee, though, I think they had a lot of cooks in the kitchen in the running back. You know, you know, I think you know, here I think about ten, maybe eleven guys got in the running game. 112 yards, so I think they had a very good, successful ground game for the uh, Blue Raiders. Yep, and we knew that a lot of different guys touched the football 
Um, two big names that we talked about on this program, Amir Rasul, the Florida State transfer, seven carries, 18 yards, not much. Martel Petaway, the West Virginia transfer, three carries, six yards, and a score. The receiver room, it's got a lot of deep veteran guys, Jaron Lane, C.J. Windham, D.J. England Chisholm, Jaron Pierce. They're all back. They've got a lot of different options for Bailey Hockman to throw to. Before we move on and, and get to the final games from week one on Saturday, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification here on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Your home for award-winning coverage of Marshall Athletics is right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP Ravenswood, West Virginia. Welcome back to Inside Conference USA. Ben Cowers behind the glass. Andrew Rogers is right across the table from me. I'm Justin Zimmer. We'll get we'll get you back to our Saturday recap. We'll head down to Denton, Texas. The North Texas Mean Green, they had a dominating night against the North, Northwestern State Demons, 44-14. to Andrew, your thoughts on this game? A little bit surprising with how this football game went and who got the start for North Texas. It was Jace Reuter, the transfer, um, who gets the start for North Texas. The transfer from North Carolina. Obviously, wasn't going to play there with Sam Howe. Um, but Reuter, 10 of 21, 131 yards, a touchdown and two picks. And then Austin On comes on, uh, goes 2 of 5 for 51 yards in this game. So I'm surprised that Reuter got the football early and did not really play that well. I think that's why on and on's a guy that played a lot of football last year, went uh, 13 touchdowns over 1600 passing yards and four picks and had a good completion percentage um, as well. So a guy that I was surprised that did not get the start in this football game. Reuter did, didn't play that well, but the story is DeAndre Torrey. He is the heart and soul of this mean green offense, 244 and three scores. Tell you what, Chris Reynolds won player of the week, but there were some phenomenal performances. Yeah. I mean, Devontae Price, 165 and three scores on the ground on five carries. Bailey Zapp, seven scores, and Torrey's 244 and three scores. Really good performances. Um, and then you talk about the wide receivers. You lose Jalen Darden. You bring in Roderick Burns, a junior wide receiver. He catches six passes, 114 and a score. So this is a North Texas offense that um, put up a good performance defensively. That's always where we have concern with the mean green. Hard to evaluate that here in week one because they played a Division two school in Northwestern State, but overall well, a good win. Well, I have a defensive concern. Go for it. Third downs. Northwestern State was 10 of 16. Mm-hmm. If, you're having, if your opponent is, and I'm horrible at math here, so I'm not going to attempt the percentage. I'm going to just say around about 55-ish percent. That's not acceptable on defense. It really is. You know, you should hold your opponent to like about under 50% in third down conversion. So that's the big storyline for me from North Texas. Third down defense has got to get a lot better. Let's move on to another key game. We've got two more to follow after this UTSA-Illinois football game. Before we'll get the picks and how we did last week from Ben after we finish these recaps and take a break. But UTSA takes down Illinois. That was something that Zimmer and I both agreed upon, that UTSA would go into Champaign and leave with a victory, and they certainly did. 37-30, and it was a really good football game. Rise and shot if you're UTSA. I think you put the whole conference on notice that you could upset a power. I mean, Charlotte kind of Duke's not very good. Illinois is in the Big Ten, a better conference. But uh, Sincere McCormick, disappointment. One thirty, one hundred seventeen. I was expecting more from him. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think Paris had a good game, but I, I thought McCormick was gonna have more rushing yards. So that, that that's a little bit disappointing for me. I thought he was gonna have more of more of the load of the carry. I don't know if he was. A, I, I wouldn't term it disappointment. He he just didn't play as well. But you got to keep consider who yeah. the opponent was, 
And also, I mean, Brendan Brady, the backup, 67 yards and two touchdowns. Good, so good game. That's a, that could be developing one-two punch there out of the backfield. But we know what McCormick's going to do, and he's going to have performances where he, you know, he only runs for – 117 yards and, and runs the ball 30 times like that. Yeah, but, but Illinois is not that impressive. That's where I think I get the disappointment. He's from. still he's still the best running back yeah, in he conference. Is. He is, say. He just just struggled here in week one. Frank Harris was really good, 280 and a score. And his main man is Zachary Franklin, 10 catch, catches, 155 yards and a touchdown. Tell you what, again, really good performances this week. And Franklin had a good yeah. one. All right, we'll go to the next game on the Saturday slate, the first-year head coaches bowl, Southern Miss versus Southern Alabama, and the Jaguars had ruined the Will Hall welcome party. And South Alabama defeats Southern Miss 31-7. Andrew, your thoughts here on this one? Very surprised. We all three took Southern Miss in this football game. I thought they would play a little bit better, but quarterback play struggled. Trey Lowe struggled, 13 of 29, 133 yards and two picks. That's not going to get the job done. Uh, in this game, this was a South Alabama team that, quite also frankly, was coach. not like is not a good football team. Let's listen to these numbers: thirty-four carries, thirty-one yards. I don't know if that's Southern Miss's front line or just South Alabama's ability to not run the football. But this was a team that had to replace a quarterback and its starting running back, yet still handled Southern Miss at home in this football game. Frank Gore Jr. did all he could: nineteen carries, eighty-one yards, but. Eventually, it's going to come down to whether Trey Lowe or whoever else is in that room for the Golden Eagles can come through and make plays at the quarterback position, and he just didn't do it. Well, I mean, I have a stat here that I absolutely find abysmal. You talk about unacceptable. How about this for third down conversions? You love third downs. I think it's important. I, I think it's the most. I think it's the most important down in the football game. It really is. Two of fifteen, bad. That, that's abysmal. That is absolutely abysmal. You pair that with four turnovers, that makes for that, a seven-point performance. Yeah, that's that's abysmal. If, if you're Will Hall right now, you, you should be embarrassed by your team's performance. That's embarrassing. Week one. Week one. I mean, but you have all summer to work on that. You come out, you're a new head coach. You're talking about attitude is everything. That was his big thing in this press conference. They just look disinterested out there. All right, we'll get to the final game of the week, and that's uh, the UTEP Miners versus Bethune-Cookman. UTEP wins, but a close one. And, Andrew, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, a little bit close. Bethune-Cookman scored a couple of times in the fourth quarter to make it interesting, but it was really, I think, at all times, arm's length in favor of the Miners. Went up ten and only 10 to nothing in the second quarter, tried to create some separation there in the third, but Bethune-Cookman cut it to three. But UTEP, with a strong fourth-quarter performance, able to hold off. Uh, Bethune-Cookman in this football game. Gavin Hardison, another good performance under center, 183 yards and three touchdown passes. The UTEP ground game, though, is something to keep an eye on as this season goes along because another good performance on the ground. But worth noting in this game, Deion Hankins did not play. 11 carries, 50 yards, and a touchdown in week one. But he did not see any action here in game number two. So that's a storyline to follow as the year goes on is whether or not is he hurt, you know, what, what happened there. But they had guys that filled his spot well. Ronald Awat, the junior, 126 yards and a touchdown. The backup to him, Willie Eldridge, the freshman, 118 yards on the ground as well. The team goes 287 and two scores. So overall, a solid win for UTEP. And they're yeah. 2-0 and for the first time in a long time. UTEP is 2-0, and and now they've got a tough test against Boise coming up. Yeah, I think if you're UTEP, this is a very successful. I just look at the rest of the schedule. I think they have one more winnable game. So I think if you're a tip, you take this as a success. 
All right, that was week one in Conference USA. How many wins for Conference USA teams? One, two, three, four. About five, four or five wins. I've got nine wins. Not a bad, not a bad week. Nine well, have, wins. Is that counting week zero? No. Okay, so yeah, nine wins. Not bad. Very good winning percentage. About nine wins in about 14 to 15 games, I believe. So about nine and five yeah, throughout bad. the course of the week. Not bad, especially considering the opponents and a couple of Power 5 teams mixed in there as well. Week two is next. We'll preview and pick the games coming up here on Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. This neighborhood sure has changed in my lifetime. You know, there was a time when people like me couldn't live here because of their race or the color of their skin. I'll never forget how I felt being told I wasn't welcome in this neighborhood, that this apartment was for whites only. That got better over time, but some people still didn't get equal treatment when it came to finding a home. Well, I own this building now. The Fair Housing Act made a difference for someone like me. It gives us the opportunity to live in communities of our choice, free from discrimination. The Fair Housing Act makes it illegal to discriminate in the renting or selling of a home because of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, familial status, or disability. If you believe you have experienced housing discrimination, contact HUD at 1-800-669-9777 or go to www.hud.gov slash fairhousing. Marshall Football returns to the gridiron for its 2021 season under the leadership of new head coach Charles Huff. Wells will take the snap. He's looking downfield. Good pressure. He's got gains in the middle of the field. Grant Wells with his first career touchdown pass on a crossing route to Xavier Gaines. Catch all the exciting action on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network as we bring it all to you from the pregame program to the postgame wrap-up as the Thundering Herd aspire to return to the Conference USA Championship. The freshman Grant Wells chucks it to wide open, Xavier Gaines in stride, 30, 20, 10, Gaines can walk in for a 70-yard score! Marshall's football team plays its season opener on Saturday when it welcomes in NC Central for the first ever meeting between the two schools. Pre-game coverage starts at 5.30 with kickoff set for 6.30. It's Thundering Herd football on your award-winning home for Marshall Athletics coverage. The Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network right here on WMUL 88.1 FM. This is CRT Championship MVP CJ Burke, and you are listening to the worldwide leader of Marshall University Athletics coverage, the Cutter Edge Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Inside Conference USA. Justin Zimmer, Andrew Rogers, Ben Cower behind the glass, and it's time for Cower's Bullseye. Now, Cower got off Ben Cower. You got to introduce it better. Ben's Bullseye. Ben's Double Bullseye. B. I'm sorry. Ben's, Ben's Bullseye. bullseye. I'll go with the alliteration. Uh, time for Ben's bullseye, and Ben got off to a wonderful start last week. He uh, took Charlotte over Duke. Yep. A better he, start he, than the Zimmer winner did. Oh, here we go. So, here Ben, we... fire away. You're 1-0. All right. Uh, yeah. For uh, this week, I'd say the bullseye, I'm picking uh, the game in question will be North Texas and SMU. Okay. I have... I have uh, North Texas upsetting SMU at SMU. Straight up. Straight up. I think they, I think they beat them. Uh, the over-under is 73. Uh, I'm, I, I would take the under on that. I don't, I don't think uh, both teams are going to score over 
36 points. But uh, I'm going to take North Texas over SMU. They're currently, the uh, the spread is 22.5. Yeah. 22.5. 22.5 spread. But I like North Texas in this one. Because, and let me, hear me out. I, I get that uh, Ruder wasn't that good at QB for the mean green, but, and again, Torrey was absolutely fantastic, DeAndre Torrey, and SMU's not that good against the run. I mean, they played uh, SMU beat Abilene Christian last week, and, I mean, Abilene Christian only scored nine points, but they used, like, six or seven different running backs in that game, and then nobody had really good stats against them, so obviously it kind of padded but I, I really like North Texas. I think they're going to absolutely wreck SMU. They're going to wreck havoc with the rushing. Uh, I don't know about Reuter. I think I think he's in in good shape to have a comeback game a little bit. You know, because it's his first game. Yeah, it's his first game there after transferring from uh, North Carolina. So I like Tory in this one. Uh, SMU's rushing is Bentley didn't really have that good of a game last week. Uh, Bentley being SMU's running back. Uh, but if SMU's going to win that game, it would be through uh, QB Trevor Mordecai. Okay. So Back-to-back weeks, Ben is going bold. Took I'm, Charlotte over Duke. Mm-hmm. No one likes North yep. Texas straight up over SMU. Ben, our records from last week before we get into the rest of the games. Yes, here. Let me pull that up. It is our records after one week are... Hold on. They are uh, both you and Zimmer are tied at twelve and two. Not bad. And I'm at ten and four because of my yeah, you my my stupid dumb picks. Bold. There are a ton of football games this week, yeah. and mm-hmm. that can be made up in one week. Two games. Absolutely. Not gonna have what happened last year. Andrew Rogers blew out. The I first blew away. I blew him away. I think yes, he's, he might be listening, and if he is, yes, Nick, he is. I beat you. If you don't remember that. <laughs> All right. Let's stay with that SMU-North Texas game. Coward likes North Texas straight up. I do not. Give me SMU. SMU, Sunny Dykes in the air raid. This is going to be an air raid battle in uh, Denton, but I'm going to go with uh, SMU. Dallas, sorry, SMU. The only Friday night game, UTEP is going to travel to Boise to play on the blue turf 2-0. It's going to Boise's 0-1. The line's 26. Does UTEP have a chance? Yeah, this would have been this. This would be the Zipper winner of the week. UTEP to cover, because I think UTEP's going to at least keep it a little closer. But uh, 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 as I said, I didn't let, get your Zimmer winner. So is that your Zimmer winner? Yeah, that oh, that's is. on you, me. I, yeah, I, I meant you, to keep that the flow of that going. Yeah, UTEP covers against Boise, but okay. uh, but you like Boise. Boise wins this game. Yeah, Boise. I'm, I'm with you. I got Boise. Yeah, Boise. Boise. Boise okay. is going to win this. I mean, UTEP two and zero, but they should have. Blew out. Well, UTEP's not working on the game decks. Cookman the last year. Yeah, and then, I mean, UTEP, I don't know. Their their stats are padded a little bit, and Boise's back at home. I mean, they almost beat, you know, UCF on the road, and now they're back at home. I don't think they lose to UTEP. All righty, let's go to the 2 o'clock game on Saturday. Uh, Middle Tennessee will be making the visit to enter the Sandman at Virginia Tech, the 19th ranked Hokie Birds. They upset the. Tar Heels last week in the home opener, and this week they'll be running at Enter Sandman as the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders invade Blacksburg. We'll start off this one with 
Dressed in hokey colors, might I say. Ben Cower. Oh. Of course it's going to be VT. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Yeah. Uh, Middle Tennessee is not going to beat VT, you know, in Blacksburg. Especially with VT now with momentum, you know, coming off that big, big win. And Fuente saving, probably saving his job. Exactly. He was on the hot seat. I'm going to go with a VT in this game. This is one of those football games, okay, where you have a team that wasn't supposed to beat another team week one, did, has momentum, but could come into this game thinking, oh, we just knocked off number 10 North Carolina, and this is Middle Tennessee State, could overlook them. I think this is closer than expected. Keep in mind, Bailey Hawkman comes from NC State, played Virginia Tech last year, struggled, did not play well against Virginia Tech, but he's got experience against an ACC opponent. I think it's closer than many expect. It's probably a touchdown, maybe a 10-point game, at the most, a two-touchdown loss for Middle Tennessee State. Give me the Hokies. And I think it's time we have. To, I think it's time to go in between the hedges in Georgia, yeah, as the UAP. Blazers make the make the trip to Georgia. Georgia has numerous COVID issues after the win against the Clemson Tigers. Andrew, we'll start off with you on this one. Fun matchup, you know, one of the better teams in Conference USA, the best team because they won Conference USA last year, returns a lot of pieces against what was a really good Georgia defense holding Clemson to three points over the weekend in the 10-3 victory. And obviously UAB shut out Jacksonville State. That's two different teams, obviously, you play up against. Uh, but good matchup. It's going to be an exciting football game. They've got the line for this one at 24.5. UAB's going to cover that with ease. This is a close football game. Georgia, Georgia prevails ultimately in this one. Um, I just want to make a score prediction for this one because I want to. 28-20. Ben? I, I don't know about a score prediction, but I'm just going to go with George on this one. I, I agree with Andrew, though, that this game is going to be a lot closer than at least Vegas thinks it, it's going to be. Where, again, 24 points, they'll, they'll cover that. Uh, I, I don't know. I think UAB being healthy versus Georgia being a little you know torn up because of COVID, again, sure. That's pretty big. So uh, it'll it'll expose Georgia a little bit, but I, I think Georgia, they're number two. They're not going to lose to UAB. Give me the dogs. Big. This is going to be a big win for the dogs. I, don't know, I think even with COVID, they're going to run UAB out of the building. How big? Let's go 30 points. 30 okay. points. Well, FAU, right. Georgia Southern. These two teams met last season. FAU lost 20-3. Give me the Owls for revenge over the Eagles. Give me Willie Taggart, and the, I like the Gulf Coast offense with uh, FAU. I'm going to go with the Owls. I'm sticking with FAU. You like FAU? We, FAU on We've this all one. picked the same games except for SMU North Texas. We'll see if that changes gotta, as we go on. Got to go bowl. Charlotte Gardner-Webb. Ben? Oh, uh, Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte. Charlotte. Did me well last oh, week. Here we go. He's gonna stick with the Niners. I gotta stick with the Niners. Yeah. I gotta stick with the Niners on this one. Just because I, I, Reynolds had a good game, I'm gonna go Niners. Uh, Jerry Richardson Stadium, I think, is gonna be rocking. So I'm gonna go Niners. This is another one of those football games where a team comes in riding high after a team after you beat someone. Maybe a lot of people thought you couldn't have. That it could be a little bit closer than expected. And keep in mind, Gardner Webb only lost by five points against Georgia Southern, a quality Sun Belt team on the road. So Gardner-Webb is a solid football team. Their quarterback, uh, Bailey Fisher, threw for 300 yards or more and, and three touchdowns in that vic- in that loss um, for Gardner-Webb against Georgia Southern. This is a closer football game than many expect, but I'll take the Charlotte 49ers as well. 
All right, we'll get to the home opener in the Alamo Dome. Uh, Lamar and U Lamar taking Lamar Carnes taking on UTSA. Interesting Marshall connection here, guys. This is very interesting. Uh, Marshall's old promos, Jaime Taylor, now president at Lamar University. Yeah. Down there in Texas, but that that's for another time. Let's get the picks on this game. I'll, I'll start it off. I'm gonna go with the Roadrunners. I think McCormick has a better game. They were dominant against UTS against Illinois. Give me the Roadrunners, big. I'll go UTS, UTSA as well. Good offense. Frank Harris has played good football. It'll be the Roadrunners with ease. Roadrunners. I mean, Zachary Franklin coming off a huge game. Uh, Harris, solid. Uh, I, I just don't see UTSA losing to Lamar. It's in Texas. Give me UTSA. Let's stay in Texas. A big one. Rice versus Houston. Two teams that are winless. Uh, I think I know who you're picking this one, Andrew. I'll let you go first, Justin. All right. Well, I think Rice 0-1 last week against Arkansas. I, I you know, it's easy to to take to take Rice because I think they I think they I think what concerns me about Rice I think they they didn't keep their composure at the very end. Houston, there's right now a lot of turmoil going on about conference realignment. Uh, Houston potentially joining the Big 12, so I think you have that little spiel going on over there. Um, so I'm gonna take in this game because. I'm going to go with the uh, Rice Owls. I like the Owls as well. Rice is a solid football team, and what they did last week in that first half against Arkansas was pretty solid. Again, just lost a little bit of composure there uh, down the stretch, but I think Rice defensively can create problems for a Houston offense that uh, pretty much struggled. Four interceptions from Clayton Toon last week in that Dana Holgerson offense, so give me Rice with a victory over Houston. I'm taking Houston on this one. Okay. I'm, I'm breaking from the pack. I'm taking Houston. Uh, both QBs coming off terrible games uh, with multiple interceptions, but I, I see Houston rebounding better, even though it's at Rice. Uh, I would watch out on the uh, receiving attack. Uh, Nathaniel Dell, sp specifically for Houston, for the Cougars. I'm going to take the Cougars on this one. FIU, Texas State. FIU's a one-and-a-half-point one favorite at home, trying to get to 2 and no. How's it go down, Justin? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, FIU here. This is a very close game. I think this this will be like a three point win for FIU. I, I I think these are two teams where I think they're both kind of trying to figure out their identity. So I'm gonna go with the uh, Panthers right here. Sorry, we have some visitors here in the uh, in the studio. I'm gonna take Texas State on this one. I I don't know. I like Texas State. I mean, they're coming off of kind of a bad. Match or at least from uh, McBride QB, three interceptions in the last game. But I don't know. I I like their chances. They're away, but uh, I don't know. I just feel gut feeling. I'm taking Texas State on this one. I'm gonna go Texas State as well. They struggled to stop the run against Baylor in Week One, and obviously to beat FIU, you've got to stop the run in Devontae Price. I think Texas State writes the ship and gets the jump done. We've got five minutes, and we've got a lot of games to pick here, so we'll pick up the pace. La Tech is at home on Saturday against Southeastern Louisiana. Both teams, well, Southeastern Illinois, Louisiana is 1-0. La Tech going one Give me the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs to get their first win. La Tech. Bulldogs. They were so close last week. They're going to rebound this week with a win. 
All right. Let's, well, well, we already know Ben's taking North Texas here in this game. We, but picked, we picked this one, didn't oh, we? Not? Or maybe not. I, I like SMU. You guys, you guys didn't I pick. I think we did. I, or I, I wait, yeah. SMU. You yeah, guys, I think, started with this one. All righty. All right, we'll go to uh, Hampton and Old Dominion, the battle in Norfolk. They're both near each other. Hampton, by the way, Coach Huff's alma mater. Andrew, who are you taking this one? You know, I don't really know what to think about this football game, but give me Old Dominion. I think DJ Mack responds really well um, if he's given the start. I think if Hayden Wolf ends up starting, Old Dominion will be fine off, but I think if Mack's given the opportunity to start here in Week 2, I think he performs well and, and gets his confidence back against the Pirates. So give me the Monarchs. Um, by a couple of scores over Hampton. I'm gonna go Old Dominion. I agree with you. If Wolf starts, Old Dominion wins. But if Max starts, it's gonna be close. It's gonna be very close. Last week I took ODU and that was dumb. But this week I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take ODU and it's gonna be smart. So I'm taking ODU this week. They're gonna prove me right. right I believe in them two weeks in a row. Right. This week I hope they don't let me down. One more final game before our game of the week. Southern Miss is at home against Grambling State. Southern Miss trying to get back in the win column. I'll take the Golden Eagles to do so. Third downs concerned me last week with with, uh, with uh, Southern Miss, so that's going to be a very big key of this game for me to watch the third down conversion, but I'm going to go with uh, the Golden Eagles in this game. Golden Eagles to rebound against Grambling. And game of the week, uh, you know, if there's any – with the 20th anniversary of September 11th, uh, I think a very patriotic pick by us as a group for the game of the week, and that will be the game at Michigan Stadium at, 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 at West Point. The Western Kentucky Hilltoppers will make their way up to the Army. Uh, I'll, I'll go, go to Andrew here. What, like, what your pick on this one? This will be an interesting football game. Obviously, two teams that put up a lot of points in Week 1 Army um, put up 43 against Georgia State in that victory, 43-10. to 10. Western Kentucky put up 59 points in the win against UT Martin, um, and both offenses were really good. And obviously, you think about Army. They're going to run the football a lot, ran for 258 last week. On the flip side, Western Kentucky's going to throw it a lot. Bailey Zapp had a good week um, with 424 passing yards and seven touchdowns. So he is really good. The difference, I think, really to me and not maybe not the difference but just the storyline and what will be the deciding factor is will western kentucky take advantage of its possessions if the hilltoppers can make the most of all the possessions they get kind of similar to what marshall did against navy kate use the time they have with the football wisely and when army does have it have your defense not can bend but not break you know marshall did a good job defensively uh just hanging in there and then eventually as Navy continued to move the football, Marshall made key plays when it needed to, and that's what Western Kentucky is going to have to do, make plays when it needs to defensively and make the most of offensive possessions. I'll take the Hilltoppers. Ben? i got to take Army on this one. Just the date, the location. I just I don't see Army losing. I don't see Army losing on a date like that. I mean, it's – WKU has an electric offense uh, – and very, very impressive last week, but I think Army will certainly uh, prove their uh, alma mater proud on a anniversary like that. So I'm taking Army. You know, I think the key to this game, as we talked about last week, the time of possession with Marshall and Navy, this is going to be the key to this game because Army and Navy are the two teams that run the triple option. So if you're if you're Western Kentucky, you're absolutely – I think you're, if you're Western, you're watching Marshall against Navy's film. But – um, I think this game has a lot of meaning to, to the uh, cadets, so go Army. Zimmer likes Army. 
You like Army. I like Western Kentucky. Should be an exciting week. Again, week two of the Conference USA football and college football season. Um, two games against the Power Five, several against group of five teams. So should couple be another exciting week. One independent. Yeah, one independent. Of. So it should be a really fun and exciting week. That does it for Inside Conference USA. For Ben Cower, Justin Zimmer, I'm Andrew Rogers. We'll be back next week to recap week two and then preview week three. But for now, tune in again next week. Sports Buzz is next. Thank you for listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Tune in again next Wednesday at 5.30 for another episode. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.